0: All right, well, we're there in Nehemiah chapter number 2, and in Nehemiah 2, as you already know, we've been looking at this life of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is a man who went to Jerusalem to travel to Jerusalem to build the wall, and you've got to understand that he made a difference, and he made an impact in the lives of people, and we've been studying principles, and I've been asking you questions over the last couple weeks, and I'll ask you a question this week as well, in regards to things that we could do, ways that we can apply our lives, uh, apply in our lives in order to be able to make our difference for ourselves. And as we look at the last part of chapter 2, there are some very clear steps that Nehemiah takes. To make a difference. Now, these steps don't guarantee his success, but they got him on the road to success. And I want to give you those four steps uh, from this passage this morning. So, this, this uh, might be different than a, than a Sunday morning sermon I normally preach. Uh, this would be a great sermon for you to take notes. If you, if you uh, don't have somewhere to write in your bulletin on your course of the week on the back, there's a place for sermon notes. If you need a pen, you can always raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one for you. But I want to give you this morning just four practical steps. To take a bad situation and make it good or to take a situation that is maybe not exactly how you want it and to be able to produce something that you want. And there's four very clear steps in uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 that I want you to notice. I'd like you to start in verse number 11. Like I said, we already dealt with the first part of the chapter last week. So we'll jump in at verse number 11 uh, this week. And basically, in verse 11 is where Nehemiah shows up to Jerusalem. From before here, we've been dealing with Nehemiah in the palace, with uh, dealing with the king. Now he comes to Jerusalem, Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse 11. And the Bible says this, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Look at verse 12. And I arose in the night. Now, I want you to notice he got up to do something. The Bible says, I arose in the night, and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I wrote upon, verse 13. And I went out by night. So notice he's going somewhere. I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before. Now, notice where he goes. He goes to the dragon well and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem. Now, the walls of Jerusalem are the problem. And the Bible tells us that Nehemiah gets up and specifically goes to these problem areas. The Bible says he went out by night, he went to the dragon well, he went to the dung port, he viewed the walls of Jerusalem, verse 13, which were, notice the problem, broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, into the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up. Notice again, he's going to certain places in the night by the brook, and viewed the wall. He viewed the problem, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. Now here's what you've got to understand, and here's what all of us are struggling with, and all of us deal with. There are There are areas in our life that we can all look at and say, I wish this was different. I wish this was better. I wish that I was more successful in this area or I was able to accomplish something different in this area. And here's what you got to understand. To be like Nehemiah and to be able to take a situation that is not good and finish the end of the book and it's a good thing. It's a great thing. God has done a great work. The first step you must take and the first step we all must take is to assess the situation. You've got to assess the situation. And what that means is you need to get an accurate view of where you are. You've got to look at your situation. And here's what you got to understand, okay? And here's what Nehemiah did. And here's what we tend to do. We tend to want to avoid problems. We, we tend to want to live in denial. We tend to want to say, things aren't that bad. My marriage isn't that bad. My kids, they're not that out of control. You know what I mean? And, and we usually are really good at picking out other people's problems and say, well, if they did this with their kids or if they did this with their finances or if he would just get this straightened out or if she would get this, straight, this straightened out. But we're not very good at getting up and purposely going to the problem areas in our own lives and in our own walls and looking at the things that are destroyed in our lives and assessing the situation and not avoid the problem. And I'm here to tell you, the first step to building something great and doing something good for God is to take a moment and assess the situation. You got to get an accurate view. And here's what that means. You've got to stop looking the other way. So often, you know, and I'll use children as an example because they're easy to pick on. But so often, you know, your, your kids will be doing something that's bad or my kids will be doing something that's bad. And it's so easy to just kind of ignore it and just look the other way. And I mean, they're, they're acting rebellious, but you just kind of act like, well, you know, they're just tired. But it's like they're, they're tired every day of their life, 24 hours a day, you know, or they're just hungry. And it's easy to avoid. And I understand that kids get tired and kids get hungry. I'm not picking on you if you said that. But here's what I want you to understand. If we're going to fix the problem, we have to learn to number one step, uh, assess, step number one, assess the situation. You've got to get an accurate view of what your situation is and where you are in life. And you've got to quit avoiding the problem. You've got to stop looking the other way. Nehemiah did not show up in the town and say, okay, show me everything that's good. Show me the buildings that are built. Show me the areas of the wall that are constructed well. Show me what's positive and, and uh, you know, make me feel good and just show me where we're succeeding. He got up and he said, show me the problems. Show me where the wall's destroyed, where the gates are burned. Show me the areas. He says, I need to assess... The situation, But notice, when he assessed the situation, he not only did not avoid the problem, he was also quiet about it. Look at verse 12, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Now notice this, underline this in your Bible, if you don't mind underlining it in your Bible. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart. Nehemiah was not the type of guy to go around and say, let me tell you all my plans that I've got. Let me tell you all the things that I'm going to do. Let me, let me show you everything that I'm going to do for this city. The Bible says he got up. He was quiet. He didn't talk. He didn't tell anyone. He didn't do anything. He just went out to assess the situation. He did not avoid the problem areas. Look at verse 16. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 16. And the rulers knew not whither I went. They didn't know where he was going or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. And here's what you got to understand. If you're going to solve a problem and if you're going to make a situation better, you've got to assess the situation. What that means is you've got to quit looking the other way. You've got to stop avoiding the problem areas, but you also got to just be quiet. And stop talking. And stop complaining. Are you the type of person who likes to talk something to death? I'll tell you the truth. That's, that's me. I'll talk and talk and talk about something and I, I won't take action. I mean, you can ask my wife, you know, the Lord gave me the perfect wife because, I mean, I, when, I'm, when I'm ready to make a choice or make a decision or do something big, you know, in ministry or my personal life, I'll talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. I'll run through it. I'll run through it. And my wife, you know, she's just kind of my sounding board and she, you know, she's great and she sits there and just listens and, and I appreciate that. But, you know, at some point you've got to stop talking and take action. And Nehemiah here wasn't the type of guy that just would talk and say, well, here's the problem, and here's the issues, and here. He was quietly assessing, quietly, uh, you know, looking. He wasn't avoiding the areas. Someone said this, talking is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but gets you nowhere. And that's the truth. You can rock all day long, but you can talk all day long, but you're not going to do anything. You may, get, you may be busy. You've got to stop. You've got to be quiet. You've got to stop complaining. The next thing I'd like you to look at, look at verse 13. Nehemiah 2.13. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dunk port. Now I want you to notice the emphasis. And viewed, I want you to notice that word, viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Look at verse 15. Then went I up in the night by the brook, and, notice this word, viewed the wall, and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley. And so returned. Look at verse 17. Then said I unto them. Now notice what he says. He, he viewed the wall. He viewed the situation. Now he's getting ready to start talking. Now he's going to get ready to start, you know, casting a vision. He's going to get ready to start, you know, rallying the troops. Now notice what he says in verse 17. Then said I unto them. Notice what he says. Ye see the distress that we are in. Now, here's what you got to understand. Not only do you need to assess the situation, not only do you need to quit avoiding the problem areas, and not only do you need to just stop talking probably and start thinking and start praying, but you must make an accurate assessment. You've got to be brutally honest with yourself. And he comes to the people, and he doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to, you know, just kind of tiptoe around it. He doesn't try to, you know, make it seem better than it is. He goes to the people and he says... Ye see the distress that we are in. He said, You, you see the problem, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He says, Do you understand the problem? Do you understand the issue? And here's what you gotta understand if you're going to, like Nehemiah, do something great, impact other people's lives, do something that makes a difference in your life and in other people's lives, you're going to have to learn to assess the situation, and assess, you know, you need to assess your spiritual life. And think about how long you've been coming to church. Think about how long you've been saved. Think about how long you've been in this thing of Christianity, or maybe fundamentalism, or whatever it is you want to call it. And you got to assess your spiritual life. Where are you spiritually? Are you where you should be? Now, it's easy to say, well, I have came a long ways. And it's easy to say, well, I'm not what I used to be. And those are great things, and I thank God for that. But be brutally honest. Are you where you should be? The question is, are you where you, you know, I'm not where I used to be, but are you where you should be? Are you where God, you got to be brutally honest. Are you where God wants you to be? You got to be honest about your spiritual life. Assess yourself. You got to be honest about your personal development, your personal life. You know, assess your marriage. You say, well, my marriage isn't perfect. Assess the situation. What's wrong? Why is your marriage, you know, having problems? Why are you not leading like you should if you're a male? Are you not submitting like you should if you're a lady? Is there not a love of God there? Is God not central in your life? Is there a problem that you're being selfish You're self-centered? I mean, what is the problem? I'm not saying you've got to go and announce it to everybody. Look, remember, Nehemiah was quiet. Nehemiah wasn't talking about it. Nehemiah wasn't getting on Facebook and just writing let me tell you about these walls. Nehemiah was quietly assessing the situation and there are parents who need to get up and start uh, stop avoiding it and stop you know ignoring it and start thinking, I've got a problem here with this child. I've got a problem here with this marriage. I've got a problem here in my finances. I've got a problem here maybe in my health. I've got a problem, uh, an issue. I'm going to quit avoiding it. I'm going to assess it. I'm going to be brutally honest. What is the problem? We've got to get to the place where we can say, I see the distress that we are in. That the walls are broken down. That the city has been destroyed. Yada says how your children are coming along. Are your children obedient or rebellious? Are they rude or respectful? Do they listen? Do you have a friendship with them? Are you constantly... Fighting with them. And you say, well, it's just the way it is. Quit avoiding the problem and assess the situation. It's the first step to fixing anything. Your finances. Your career. Your relationship with other people. Your, just your life in general. We ought to take a moment. And number one, step number one, is assess the situation. Get an accurate view of where you are. Quit avoiding it. Quit, you know, you know saying, well, you know, it is what it is. And just be brutally honest with yourself. So number one, step number one is assess the situation. Step number two, you say, well, that's kind of depressing and that's kind of discouraging. And I just, I don't want to deal with it. And I know that's why we live in denial. We have a tendency to want to live in denial. And look, it's not, it's not, it's, it's all of us. It's, it's since mankind, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And instead of just coming out in the light and dealing with it and saying, God, you know what? Remember that tree you told us not to touch? Remember that tree you told us not to eat of? You know, Remember that tree you told us to stay away from? We, we ate of it. We messed up. But what did they do? They covered themselves in leaves. They hid in the trees. They wanted to hide and deny. That's how we live our lives. And instead of just facing a problem saying, here's the issue. Here's the problem. Here, and, and, and you, and you got to understand this. you got to be ready. You ever looked at a problem and say, okay, what's wrong in this situation? And you, and you took the emotion out of it, you took the you know, self-defense out of it, you took the, well, they don't know and they don't understand, and if you knew the culture I grew up if you knew the family I grew up in, you took everything out and just say, I'm going to assess, I'm going to be brutally honest, here is the problem, and then you realize, whoa, I'm the problem. <laughs> it's me. It's actually not my kids, it's me. It's actually not my wife, it's me. Actually, it's not the fact that my job, you know, keeps giving a raise to other people and keeps giving promotions to other people, and, and you know, I just think they're, they have something against me. No, the problem is just me. You've got to assess this situation, number one. Number two, you've got to see what could be. You've got to see what good could be. Get a vision for what could be someday. Notice Nehemiah chapter 2, look at verse 10. You've got to understand this. Nehemiah was not there to build a wall say, well, Nehemiah built a wall. But that's not what he was there to do. Nehemiah was not there to build a wall. Nehemiah was there to help the people. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says this. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Nehemiah was there to help people. And Nehemiah did not get a vision. you got to understand this. Nehemiah did not get a vision for the walls. Nehemiah did not say, man, you, you had to imagine with me. You had to dream with me. Imagine the walls that we could build. I mean, I'm, th- I'm thinking walls that are 60 feet tall and, you know, 12 feet wide. He didn't get a vision for the walls. I want you to notice, he got a vision for the people. Look at verse 17. Then said I unto them. You see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are ever burned with fire. Come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem that, notice, that we be no more a reproach. Nehemiah says the walls are broken down, and we're a reproach. The walls are broken down, and we're an embarrassment. The walls are broken down. And we are distressed and we are discouraged and it's affecting us and it's affecting our children and it's affecting our economy and it's affecting our city. And he got a vision, not for the walls, but for the people. You've got to learn to dream a little. I mean, you've got to see what could be. You're there in Nehemiah chapter 2. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. This is a one-on-one verse. I know you know it, but let's look at it together. If you're in Nehemiah, if you go towards the end of the Bible, traveling towards the end, you're going to go past the book of Esther, past the book of Job, past the book of Psalms, into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29, look at verse number 18. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. I know you've seen this verse before, but we'll look at it. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. Look, I, I know, I know, you say, you say I don't, Pastor Jimenez, you don't understand. You know, my marriage is falling apart. We're just weeks from calling a lawyer, getting a divorce. In fact, the only reason we're in church this morning is to give it one last shot. And I look, I understand. You've got to assess the situation. You've got to look at the problem. Why, what got you to where you're at? What's the problem? You say, I don't, you don't understand, you know, my kids. You don't understand. But here's what I want you to, what I want you to do. Could you dream for a moment about what could be, how your marriage could be, how your children could be? How, how your finances could be. I mean, could, could you just get a vision and say, well, well, I understand how things are, and I'm going to quit denying it. I'm going to quit ignoring it. I'm going to quit turning the other way. I'm going to assess the situation, and it hurts, and it's painful, and, it, and it's embarrassing, and I don't want to say it out loud, but the truth is we're in distress. The walls are broken down. The, the, the gates have been burned down. It's true. I'm going to assess the situation, but then I'm going to dream a little bit and just get a vision for what could be. Say, my relationship with my children, Pastor, is just, right now, is just not good. But could you imagine what it could be a year from now? Ten years from now? Say, Pastor, you're saying, I'm getting ready to go into bankruptcy. I'm in so much debt, it's not even funny. I mean, I lost my job. I understand that. You've got to assess that situation. Maybe you need more training. Maybe you need to go into a different career field. Maybe you need to just go get a job. You know, I might help. I don't know what it is. Let's assess that. But could you see how things could be? Because, see, Nehemiah not only... Assess the situation, but he took a moment to dream. And he said, you see the distress we're in, but he said, we could. He said, we could not be a reproach. See what could be. Get a vision for what could be someday. So step number one, you've got to assess the situation. Get an accurate view of where you are. Step number two is to see what could be. Get a vision for what could be someday. Step number three, you need to make a plan. You need to make a plan. You need to figure out what needs to happen to get you from step one to step two. Step one is get a brutally honest view of where you are. Step two is get a vision of what you could be or where things could be. And then you've got to figure out, how do I get from step one to step two? You need to make a plan. Notice what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah chapter two, look at verse 17. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Come. Now here's, here's what I love about Nehemiah, and here's why Nehemiah was such a great leader. Let me just let me just give you just a couple things on leadership here. For those of you that are maybe you're in a leadership position at work, or you're, you're a husband, you're a father, you're you're a mother, you're you're in some sort of leadership. There's some beautiful things that Nehemiah does here that are characteristic of great leaders. Notice he says in verse 17: then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that you are in. Is that what he said? He says, you see the distress that we are in. Now, you say, well, hold up, Nehemiah. You just came into town three days ago. Nehemiah, you've got a nice job. Nehemiah, your finances are fine. The city you come from, the walls are built up. Nehemiah, your family's not a distress. Your family's not a reproach. Your family's not broke. You're you're doing great. But notice, he shows up, and here's what a great leader does. He says, he includes himself. And he says, you see the distress that we are in. Let me tell you, some of you, guys, you you young guys that are preaching, and I, I'm thankful for the young guys we've got that preach. Men's Preaching Night, we always have 12 or 13 guys that preach, and I, and I praise God for you. But listen to me, you will be more used of God if you learn to start using the word we than ye. Because we like to get up and talk about, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you've got this problem. But Nehemiah said, hey, we've got a problem. And maybe there's a problem in your marriage, and maybe you as a husband need to go to your wife, or maybe you as a wife need to approach your husband, but you're not going to get very far if you start pointing your finger and saying, your problem is this. But you know what will work? Is you walk up and say, honey, we've got a problem. See, you, you need to stop looking at your kids and saying, you did this, and you did that, and you don't understand, and you need to say, we have not been dealing with you properly. We, see, the problem is not you and the bank, as far as your finances, the problem is just you, okay? It's not the bank. <laughs> You're the problem. You can go ahead and say, we have a problem, bank, but they're not going to buy that either, okay? <laughs> but a good leader does this. Ye see the distress we are in. How Jerusalem lieth and the gates that are of our with fire. Come and, notice what he says, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told him of the good hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, And then they said, Now notice, when when he says we are the problem and let us solve the problem, they respond, Let us rise up and build. You say, I can't get my wife to follow me. I can't get my children to follow me. I've got these guys at work and I'm supposed to be over them, but they don't respect me and they don't follow me and they don't do what I tell them to do. Say, What's the problem? Maybe you start including yourself and saying, hey, we have a problem here and we need to fix this issue and this is and, and, you know, it's my fault for maybe not leading the way I should have. And you start approaching situations in that way and people are going to say, you know what, I'll follow you. Because it's not me following you, it's us working together. They said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for good work. Someone said this, remember the difference between a boss and a leader. A boss says go, a leader says, let's go. And that's what, the, that's what you need to get this idea in your mind of assessing institutions. But let me give you another just key on leadership here that we can learn from you about. Not only did he involve himself and he said, we are the problem, but notice he wasn't the type of person to just state a problem. Can't you, can, have you ever met someone who's always telling you what's wrong with something? People are constantly coming up to me. And if you've done this, I'm not picking on you. People are constantly coming up to me and telling me, Pastor, this, this is wrong. There's a problem over here. There's a problem over there. We need to fix this. The toilet's overrunning. You know, people are always bringing problems. You know what I like it? When someone brings me a problem and a solution. Hey, Pastor, just letting you know, the toilet's overrunning, but I'm going to go fix it. I know how to work a plunger. You know, I mean, I, I can take care of it. And here's what Nehemiah does. He, he doesn't just say, hey, let me tell you what's wrong with all of you. The walls are broken down, you're a reproach, you're an embarrassment, you ought to be ashamed. of your... He says, look, we are in, uh, you know, our Jerusalem life's waste, the gates are never burned with fire. He says, let us build up the wall. So he gives them a problem and then he gives them a solution. And by the way, that's how you cast a vision. You don't cast a vision by just telling people what's wrong with everything they're doing. And you don't even cast a vision by telling people what's right with what you can do. You must do both. You must explain to people, here's the problem, here's the solution. The problem with people that never tell you a problem is they try to give you a solution, but people don't want a solution when there's no problem. That's what's wrong with you soul winners. They just want to talk about, you know, only the good news. Let me tell you about Jesus, and Jesus loves you. And you never want to tell somebody there's a sinner. You never want to tell somebody there's a hell. You never want to tell somebody there's condemnation. You walk up and say, hey, Jesus can save you. And people are like, save me from what? I'm not in any problems. But when you say, hey, here's the problem, but here's the solution. People say, I'll follow that. I'll get on board with that. I'll go there. Go to Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter 14 in the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 14. You gotta make a plan. You gotta make a plan. See the the problem is, the problem is we do not control our finances. We'll figure out what you've got to do to control them. The problem is that, you know, my drinking has gone out of control, or my spending has gone out of control, or my weight has gone out of control, or just the fact that my children are living, you know, they don't get disciplined, it's out of control. Whatever the problem is, you got to figure out, but then make a plan, you know, you figure out the problem, you get a vision for what could be, and then you figure out, how do I get from here to here? And the Bible teaches it. Are you there in Luke chapter 14? Look at verse 28. Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke 14, and verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. For which of you, intending to build a tower... Nehemiah was not building a tower. He was building a wall. Jesus is building a church. Hopefully, you're building a life. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Less happily... The word happily means perhaps... He says, perhaps after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king? Sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an end and desireth conditions of peace. Now here's what's interesting, and we're going to get into this later in the book of Nehemiah. I love the two illustrations that Jesus gives, because here's what he talks about. you got to build and you got to battle. And just remember that. We're going to see that in Nehemiah. They were building and they were battling. And that's what the Christian life's about. So what do we do as Christians? We build. What do we do as Christians? We battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual fight. Satan walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, the Bible says. But we're here to build people and build lives and help and be used of God to build uh, the church of God. Look, look at Luke fourteen thirty-two. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth in a message and desireth conditions of peace. So here's what you're going to understand. You've got to make a plan. And I don't know what your plan is, but you've got to figure it out. You've got to figure out, okay, how can I? I've got a mess here. I've got a problem here. What do we need to do to get us from step one to step two? Maybe you need to start disciplining your children. Maybe you need to learn how to give a good old fashioned, loving spanking like the Bible teaches. Some of you, the problem is not that you don't discipline your children. The problem is that you just don't spend any time with your children. The only time they get your attention is when, you know, you're pulling them on your lap to spank them. Maybe you've got to start building a relationship. Maybe you've got to institute a date night. Maybe, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your problem is, you know. My wife and I, we, you know, we just instituted a, a, a weekly date night. And that's was just something that we did just for fun. But it's great. Just spend time together, you know, away from the kids. And, uh, you know, whatever it is, you just got to figure out, what do I need to do to get from step one? To step two, make a plan. Sit down, count the costs, figure out what is it going to take for me to be able to turn around our finances? What is it going to take for me to get be able to get victory over this habit or this addiction? What is it going to take for us to, to be able to get our marriage the way it should be? Just what does it take? Make a plan. And here's what you gotta understand. Step number one, you assess the situation. Get an accurate view of where you are. Step number two, you see what could be. Get a vision for what could be someday. Step number three, you make a plan. You figure out uh, what it's going to take to get you from step one to step two. Step number four, you get to work. You get to work. See, it's not enough to plan your work. You've got to work the plan. It's not enough to figure out. Okay, here's how we're going to get our finances in order. We're going to get a budget. We're going to get a, a list. We're going to get a you know. We're going to get this and we're going to get that and we're going to figure it out. But then you got to actually do it. You know. Every year people go out and buy treadmills and they buy new Bibles and they buy this and they buy that because they've got all these plans of all these things that they're going to do. But it doesn't work unless you actually do it. You've got to plan your work and work your plan. Notice Nehemiah chapter 2, look at verse 18. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. Nehemiah two eighteen. notice what the Bible says. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. As also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and they said, let us rise up and build. Now notice, don't miss this. So they strengthened their hands for this good. You see that four-letter word right there? That's how most people treat that word. You see that word? We don't like it. They strengthened their hands for this good work. Look at Nehemiah 2.20. Then I answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. There's some quotes that I like to think about and write down and just kind of ponder every once in a while. One of them is this. Most great things in your life won't happen by chance. They will happen by choice. Most great things in your life will not happen by chance. Great marriages don't happen by chance. Great children aren't raised by chance. Great, you know, your finances getting in order. Your, your help, people that are, you know, physically healthy and fit and they're eating the right things and they're exercising. Those people, they, they, it didn't just happen. They made a choice. Here's another quote I like. This one came from Curtis Hudson. Never, nothing ever came by wishing, it comes by working. Nothing ever comes by wishing. You say, I wish I had this, and I wish I had that, and I wish my life was like this. Nothing ever comes by wishing. It comes by working. I like this quote. This one came from Jack House. You will be what you are becoming. You will be what you are becoming. What are you becoming today? You will be what you are becoming. You say, I, I, don't, like, I don't like what I am. If you don't like what you are, then change it. If you don't like what the future holds for you, then change it. You, do you know that you've got the wonderful privilege to change the future right now? You've got the, a wonderful privilege. You, can, you say, well, my marriage is going downhill. But you can change that right now. You say, well, my children, you know, I just got this fear that they're going to grow up and they're going to just go and, and live for the world and live for the devil and I just don't have their hearts and I just don't have their respect and I just don't have that relationship. You can change that right now. But it's going to take work. It's going to take planning. It's going to take actually getting up and doing something. You will be what you are becoming. I like this quote. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Isn't that how we live our lives? If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. People that are addicted on drugs, they they don't have a job. They don't have a penny to their names. They find a way to get those drugs. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. And some of you are sitting there thinking, well, here's what Pastor doesn't understand. And if he knew this, and if he knew that, and and look, that's okay. You go ahead and soothe yourself with your excuses. But five years from now, you'll be in the same place you are right now. Because excuses may make you help feel better, but they don't change anything. you got to get to work. you got to plan your work, and then you got to work your plan. Step number one, you assess the situation. Get an accurate view of where you are. Stop avoiding it. Stop ignoring it. Say, you know what? I'm, be like Nehemiah. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go specifically. I'm doing great here, and I'm doing great here, and I'm doing great in this area of my life, and I'm doing great in this area of my life, but I'm not going to go assess those areas. I don't need to pat myself on the back of what I'm doing well. I'm going to go to the places where the wall is broken down, where the gates are burnt down. I'm going to assess the situation. I'm going to quit avoiding it, and I'm going to figure out, here's the problem in my spiritual life, that I don't read the Bible on a daily basis. Here's the problem in my spiritual life, that I don't go solely. Here's the problem with my walk with God. I just don't pray. I don't have a prayer Like, Here's the problem in my marriage. I'm a jerk. You know? Here's the problem with my finances. I don't control my spending. Here's the problem with my children. I ignore them. You just got to come to You say, well, I don't want to say that out loud. No one does. But quit avoiding it. Quit avoiding it. Nothing will change. Nothing will change as long as you keep putting your head in the sand. You got to assess the situation. And then you got to dream. I mean, can you see what could be? Every week, I've been asking you a question. The first week I asked you this question, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What is there going on around you that burdens the inside of you? The second week I asked you this question, how can I leverage who I am to help others? How can I leverage who I am? How can I leverage my resources, my relationships, my talents, my gifts, the position that God has given me to help others? The question for you this week is this, can you see what can be? I mean, in your spiritual life, can you see what could be? In your personal development, in your marriage, could you see what your marriage could be like a year from now? Now, look, your marriage is not going to be different a year from now if you just keep doing the same things you're doing. But can you get a vision for what could be? Can you get a vision for what could be with your children? Can you see what could be in your career, in your business? Can you see what could be with your finances? Can you see what could be in your relationships with others? Can you see what could be in this church? You gotta ponder that. You say, Well, I don't know what's wrong. Here's what you gotta do let yourself dream a little bit. And when you start thinking, Here's what I'd like things to be like, then you start realizing, Here's why they're not like that because of X, because of Y, because of Z. And when you figure those things out, then you gotta make a plan. How can I get from step one to step two? And when you make the plan, then work the plan. You've got to arise and build. You've got to do something great. The only way that things get done, nothing ever came by wishing. It came by working.